welcome back to The Catch. I'm your host, Michael Adams. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, John Nurhimi. John, say hello to everyone. Yeah. Hello. We're listening to some crackling sounds of the manly indulgence candle. Can you hear it crackling, actually? Actually, yes, I can. Like, surprisingly yeah. enough. I don't know Amazing. if everyone else will be able to, but I can. Well, okay. It crackles, so it's really cool. It sounds like a fire going in your room, but it's just a candle, and it's called Manly Indulgence. That is actually really neat. I didn't know they had that. Yeah, it's My legit. candle is just like pure musk. I don't know what it is. Musk. Just one of those things that just is a little bit overwhelming when you smell it. I haven't burnt it in a couple of months because of it, though. I always light this before bed, and then I'll extinguish it before I go to sleep, and it's just like a nice soothing scent but you can still hear little crackles of it sizzling away it's the crackling nice... is probably the best part It'd be like yeah. nice a little relaxing like set the mood almost oh, like yeah you're at, like a you're inside of a fire or something like that oh big time yeah so it's nice i'm not gonna lie big fan been been burning it for uh the last couple of weeks here uh on break so that's been been quite the joy it's the little things you know yeah it is yeah so if anyone's looking for a, a late christmas or a late birthday present for john it's a Manly indulgences. The Manly indulgence. Yeah. So so now you're uh well, you will be in Texas when this comes out. I will be. I will be a Texas man, cowboy boots and cowboy hat and all. Yeah. How Maybe even a pearl snap shirt. I've oh, been to Dallas. Pearl snap. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Been thinking about it. <laughs> Gonna go full Texas while I'm down there. Gotta fit in with the locals. Um, I have been down there two or three times, I think uh i can't really remember honestly though it's been a while though i haven't been since you know quarantine i haven't been since covid so that kind of squashed a lot of the plans i had for the summer of going down there yeah i was planning on spending a little bit of time down there before i started my full-time job but now uh with covid i'm able to work remote so i am going down there got my airbnb booked and everything and yeah gonna spend some time in a little bit of warmer weather Maybe get a little bit of like a 70 degree Texas tan. I think the really big thing that I'm planning on doing is uh, we're going to go horseback riding, which I am far too excited for. Have you been horseback riding? Never. I'm a little nervous because I'm such a big person though. Like I feel like the horse is going to be like just so angry that it drew the short end of the stick and had to take me like the 230 guy. (laughs) I think we should, um, with this podcast, we should share the photo of you riding a horse though in Colorado. Oh, I, where I got that really big uh, Charlie horse in my leg? Yes. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. Oh, dang it. No, I don't know where it is. I have oh, it. Wait, here I'm it not going to show it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, noticing that photo, I'm actually like pinching my legs up because I am having a cramp at that moment and almost fell off of that 10-foot high horse. So, folks, this picture is uh, we went to Colorado a few years ago with some other guys, and we had just driven through the night. And the first thing we decided to do was go to a extreme trampoline place because why not? <laughs> we had some time for our Airbnb was open. So we went there and apparently if you go into the mountains, the air is different and you get really tired really quickly because you're not used to the oxygen levels. So we got tired really quickly. And then this uh, little like atrium thing, I don't know, Arboretum outside the trampoline place had this like, I don't know, how tall was that thing? Like 15, 20 feet? I, I think it was, I said at least 10. It, it was okay. a lot. I was, I had to climb on it using like the the tail because the tail laid down really yeah. well. And I jumped on the tail and I remember just jumping up. And it was like grabbing on for dear life. <laughs> like it was this huge uh, bronze horse, I think, or metal horse. And Michael climbed on it 
and was riding it and then got a cramp and it was absolutely hilarious and proceeded to almost fall off of it to the point where I had to just jump off before my cramp overwhelmed me too much and almost hurt my ankle because I was wearing sandals. And then we got Chick-fil-A, so it all it all worked out. And I was happy after that. Yeah. <laughs> still, still one of the best memories. I'm happy I still have that picture. Yeah, so um, I don't have a good segue for this, but um, I kind of have a segue for this. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just tell a little well yeah we'll kind of tell a story um so yesterday we watched uh lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring with some of uh i watched with some of our friends and as i was relaying to michael um i have a tendency to watch movies in a very serious and like analytical way i can uh, confirm this i have seen john almost bite a guy's head off for oh, uh, laughing during a movie when it was not a laughing time. I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was not one of my prouder moments. I got reamed out by some, some good friends who called me out for just holding a grudge that I shouldn't. Anyways. Um, I thought it was funny and kind of necessary at the moment, but that's besides the point. Yeah. It, it, it illuminates something about how I, how I see movies though. Like I, um, I think there's a, an excellent opportunity, whether in uh, film, art, music, whatever, writing stories, for an encounter with the truth, with beauty, with goodness. So basically with God, um, maybe not like always the most perfect analogy or like something, but I think if you're open to it and you're allowing the spirit to, to affect you in some way, um, you can be moved and it can be a good source of reflection or, or prayer just seeing like the of God's goodness and in beauty. Um, so we watched Lord of the Rings and I was enthralled by how amazing that movie is. One, because it's, it's more explicitly Catholic than a lot of other movies that you can probably find some stuff in. But uh, I was thinking about how, like, I think a lot of times people will just watch movies for entertainment um, mm -hmm. and they don't really want to engage things too much other than just to like laugh or escape from, for life for a couple hours um and there's a song from a movie that i think a lot of people have seen that i listened to the other day and i was like hey that's actually pretty uh it's pretty christian it's got some good things we can probably riff on for a little bit so uh the song is called the other side from the greatest showman which i've only actually seen once so i've seen it a couple times it's my niece's favorite movie of all time uh, oh wow they watch it like multiple times a week but to clarify, because I was not aware of which song is which in The Greatest Showman when I first started, uh, you know, looking up the lyrics to this song. Um, this is the one where it's like, uh, how's it go? Uh, Don't you want to get away from the same old, but you got to play. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, cool. I was just trying to get you to sing and it worked. So uh, <laughs> I'll always sing, dude. I just didn't want to because I didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to torture any ears over here. But yeah, just, I wanted to clarify because I wasn't exactly aware of which song it was. Once I heard, I was like, "Oh, of course, this one." But wanted to make sure everyone knew which one was which. So yeah, now we so, can proceed with the riff. Yeah, I'm gonna be Hugh Jackman and Michael's gonna be Zac Efron. I was actually gonna recommend that too, so like, that fits like so well. <laughs> You've got the hair for it, you know, nice oh, chisel features yeah. and all that. Anyways. You have the you have the wisdom for it and uh, <laughs> the witty courage. Ah, there we go. Good save. Okay, so <laughs> other than just calling me ugly. All right, so um, 
Yeah, where to, where to begin with this? So basically, to set, if you haven't seen the movie, um, to set it up, uh, Hugh Jackman is playing a character who's starting to circus, P.T. Barnum, and he's trying to get Zac Efron's character, who I don't know the name of, uh, to join him because I think he has money. And he's like an investor. Yep. Um, and so he they get in this conversation and Zac Efron's kind of like, nah, dude, you're you're weird uh, and you're a low life and I'm from like a high society I'm not joining you. And then they break out into song in a bar because that's what you do when you want someone to do what you want them to do. So um, they get in this kind of, it's very conversational. It seems like to me. Um, and so he's putting an offer out, right? Some of the lyrics here, he says, I put the offer out. Uh, you run with me and I can cut you free out of the drudgery and walls you keep in. So trade that typical for something colorful. And if it's crazy, live a little crazy. Uh, you can play it sensible, a king of conventional, or you can risk it all and see. So that's the first verse. Um, any thoughts off the bat on that first verse? Anything jump out to you? I think a lot when I'm looking at the song is uh, the fears in our minds when mm. we're accepting the invitation of Christ. Because obviously, you know, I put the offer out very easy translation into like the offer of Christ and the offer mm-hmm. of relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, but I think the the big thing that I, I really strikes me is he knows almost the heart of Zac Efron's character in this. Um, he goes, you know, you can keep in this drudgery and you can keep in this kind of way of life that you're living. Um, and yeah, I, I understand that this is crazy. I understand that really. In mm-hmm. reality, what I'm saying right now probably makes very little sense and is an extremely radical thing for you to actually even consider. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if you take this risk, you'll see that it was worth it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. He knows his heart. He like, he can already perceive just by looking at him and without really knowing him that well, he gets a sense of who he is and what's going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think that's good. Right. So we can look at this moving forward is Hugh Jackman's character is Christ putting the offer out to us um, for relationship with him. uh, Like this partnership, this companionship. uh, And then Zach Efron's us. Um, Or I think, we can also look at it too, a similar thing, right? Um, of just like us in our everyday life as how we evangelize people. We put the offer out to them to, you know, invite them into a relationship with Christ. Um, mm-hmm. And then Zach Efron is like the, you know, non-religious person or the lapsed Catholic. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think that's, I like that. So the thing of risk is, is pretty, I like that word a lot. There's a risk involved. Um, I think a lot of times we like to think there is no risk. Like everything's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, like we either tell people that implicitly or we infer that um, just in our language. Even like, I don't know, I was telling you this the other day, but like whatever at Christmas time, I just get this sense because there's a lot of priesters there, people who don't show up to mass a lot. Um, and we just like talk about uh, relationship with Jesus, like this wonderful thing where everything's great. And like, yeah, just, just do it. It'll be great. There's no risk. Like, what do you have to lose? Um, when in reality, it's like, no, it's not like this is a, a, this demands a change in your life. Um, like and I intentionally use the word demands. It's a demand. It's not a like, oh, you know, if, if you're feeling like it, or maybe if like you're up for it, it's like, no, there's a demand on your life being made and you need to change, like repent and believe in the gospel. Repent does not mean like, Hey, just, you know, whenever it's convenient for you, it's like, no, there's a, an, a turning. Um, and granted that's difficult and it's a, it's a, it's a progressive turning. It's not just like a, a Protestant one and done, like once saved, always saved. 
mm-hmm. it's it takes effort and time. There's always like this. I have this image the other day of we're standing in the middle, as we talked about in the last podcast. Like the hand of God is on your shoulder, like it's resting on your shoulder, inviting you to turn towards Him. Right, like you know, someone's behind you and puts their hand on your shoulder, and they want you to turn towards them. And then there's a bunch of like these dark. I imagine that's the light hand, this beautiful shining light. And then there's thousands of these dark, grimy, gross hands clawing at us and scratching at us. And that's mm-hmm. like the world and, you know, temptation. Uh, so yeah, like there's a risk and we can't paint Christ um, quoting the hidden life movie here, uh, which is a movie you should all see if you haven't seen it. Um, but the, this painter who's painting a church says, uh, I paint the, like, the safe, comfortable Jesus who makes no demand on people's lives with his halo and everything. It's like, yeah, like we all like to have that image of Jesus where it's just this safe, comfortable thing. When in reality, like you imagine the apostles, like give up everything and follow me. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that's an actual demand on my life. And it means mm-hmm. I have to change and live differently. And I like what you said there. Cause <clears throat> the only way that it would not be a risk if, if there was a full guarantee and you have to think mm-hmm. of like the apostles and when they're being called, like thinking like, I'm thinking of the call of Peter specifically, yeah. where here's this radical call, drop your nets, follow me, become vicious of men. That's a risk. You're like, who is this Jesus guy? Is what he's saying true? Is this real? Is this really what it's made up to be? Or am I going to take this turn? Am I going to take this risk and lose everything and lose everything that I've built in my life? And I think that's a similar thing that we all go through when, when we're making this, you know, accepting Christ and accepting a relationship with him. Oftentimes that same thought comes up, you know, what if I'm wrong? You know, what I'm going to be perceived very differently. And I know in my life, specifically, I've I've experienced that with friends. I've I've lost friends. I've lost relationships. I've lost different opportunities and those kinds of things. And in some degree, you're like, wait a second. Like I could have, you know, taken this path in life and I'd have X, Y, Z, this, that, the other. Um, But I think it's also important when we're talking about there's a risk of, following christ but how much greater is the risk of not following christ um and i look at that and i look at the life that i could have lived and the things that i could have done and what i see is much less peace and much less joy and happiness and contentment and much more distressed and just sadness and emptiness um and i think sometimes when we just look at it we're like oh there's you know what if i'm wrong what if what if all this isn't true all xyz this that the other we don't ever consider the vice versa of, you know, what is my life like without Christ? How much greater of a risk is it to not have him there? And I always think that that risk overweighs the initial risk infinitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm moved by your example, right? Like, I mean, I can speak to my own experience of uh, when I decided to start discerning the priesthood and going to seminary, like that demanded a change in my life and the way I was living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it meant, the destruction of relationship and that was awful and painful um and not understood by a great many people especially the the girl that i was with so like it's hard and there were so many days when it was just like god it would be so much easier right now if i just gave gave this up if i just stopped pursuing this call that i feel in my heart and decided to stay where i'm at because it's more comfortable and i thought you were there um, and i could probably find you there too if i stayed something would work out but no, like I, I stuck to it and trusted and there was no guarantee that it was going to work out. Um, like, in fact, I stopped for a period of time 
but then picked it back up and kept going. Like, and it's just like, there's a, there's a certain, there's your own perseverance, but there was a, a friend of mine uh, told me something when I told him my, my story. He said, all I could hear in your story was the perseverance of God in coming after you. And I've, I've held on to that. Uh, and it keeps coming back up over and over again, but it's like, he keeps coming. He keeps putting that offer out um, again and again, no guarantees, but just, he keeps offering himself. And I think that's what like makes me follow is that like, it's not about something. It's about someone. I know it sounds cliche, but like, it's about him. He's offering himself. And like, we can see that in any relationship we have in our life. There's no guarantee. Like when I call you that, like, I'm going to get what I plan out of that talk or that Mm -hmm. moment. Like when we became friends, there was no guarantee of what this was going to lead to. We didn't know, like, you know, we'd be best friends and podcasting together. Um, It was just like, uh, yeah, like, I hope this works out, but like, I'm interested in this person. He's putting himself out there. I'm putting myself out there. Right. So like, for me, it's just like each time he puts himself out there and offers himself, I fall more in love and I'm moved by his offer of himself and his totality versus any guarantee or safety. I think something important to kind of go to and not to skip ahead if you have like a planned structure of this, <laughs> but immediately, <No. laughs> after, immediately after, um, cause we're talking about this, you know, this person, this risk X, Y, Z. Um, but again, the chorus, you know, it says it'll take you to the other side. Um, mm-hmm. And there's two folds of looking at this. Cause one, we have that risk, but in that line, there's a complete and a call for us to be completely and totally entrusting to Christ and to God. Yeah. I mean that there is risk. There will be fear. There will be pain. There will be suffering. All those things like you and I have both experienced that. But we've also experienced that in the right now, in the moment, you experience many of those things. And now years behind us, we look back on those. It's like, oh man, that that wasn't as big as a deal as I thought as I thought it was, or, Oh, I was able to get through that. And yeah, this is what I was able to gain from that. I think one, there's the call of like just complete and total trust in Christ and in his perseverance, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, um, I think that there's a huge invitation um, to actually be a part of the adventure. And I think that's something that is under, you know, not really undervalued, but we look at this and, is it P.T. Barnum is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's inviting Zach Efron's character, not only to just like follow him and do right. this with him, but he's, ex- he's inviting him to be a part of this with right. him. Yeah. I think that's the most translatable factor of the song to us in relationship yeah. with crisis. It's not like this just risk of like, oh, we're following this superior and he's directing everything and I have no part in this at all. And I'm just kind of this minion in this like just machine. It's mm-hmm. more so... No, he again is a friend of mine. He is in relationship with me and desires me to be a part of it and a part of him in this journey. Yeah, I love that. Which again also goes back to what you're saying of there's a responsibility. Your life has to be different. Something must change. If you truly are part of this adventure, you have to prepare for the journey and you actually have to partake in the journey you have to walk you have to climb you have to do all these things you can't just sit back and accept just want christ to carry you um just like carry you in like you know over shoulder or something like that piggyback down the down the journey like you have to partake and you have to offer yourself to it yeah i and it's funny right this is what you're saying is so true because 
people do this all the time, every, every day. Um, I mean, to think of like relationships, you know, like a guy and a girl, when they start dating exclusively, uh, there is a change or even like when like a guy notices a girl, like I can speak to this, my own life, like you start to change what you do and how you live to like pursue that girl. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, you put yourself in situations where you know, you're going to be around them more yeah. or like to talk to them and whatever, you know, like we do that all the time. And like my life is now changed to be in relationship with that person. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, <laughs> people are like, Oh yeah, but I don't want to do that with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like you can just do what I want to do. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, like that otherness and the other side and even that word other, right. I'll take you to the other side. Mm-hmm. It's a setting apart. Like you're not on that side. Now you're on this side. Um, and there's a, there's a certain like, con- like, yeah, concept of holiness where like to be holy is to be other, to be set apart. Like Israel is a holy nation because it's set apart for God amongst yeah. all the nations is set apart. It's holy other. Um, and God is holy because he is holy other. And so we can kind of look at that and see like, okay, to be holy and to be in union with Christ is to be like him and being holy other and set apart and to follow in his footsteps and to be different. Um, yeah. So then moving to the, um, I mean, you're just talking about that, that chorus there in the chorus, Hugh Jackman asks a question. He says, don't you want to get away from the same old parts you got to play? And then we go to the second verse where Zach Efron responds. And he's like, listen, bro, <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, he says, so thanks, but no, I think I'm good to go. Cause I quite enjoy the life you say I'm trapped in now. Okay. This is just like, really, I think this is fascinating. Uh, he says he quite enjoys life. And he says, I admire you and you know, everything you do, which should show you something. Um, you know, like that's great. Um, but I'll leave it to you. Okay. So what do we see here? I think this is probably the most telling thing in, in terms of like, if we switch gears a little bit to like when we're evangelizing people or talking to friends who are maybe a little bit more lukewarm or just like not that into, um, growing more in their faith, people do not care. Brothers and sisters, they do not care. Like we need to start there. Stop thinking that like, I mean, this is, I'm talking to myself a bit too, but like <laughs> I just wrote these papers on like philosophy and how, if we just use these things and like, you'll, you can convince people by arguments, like they don't care. Like it's just that plain and simple. They might admire you and think that's great, but really they quite enjoy the life they're living and there doesn't really seem to be anything wrong with it or any huge detriments to living that way. So they do not care. So we really need to change the way that we attack and invite them <laughs> that is very interesting because i am one of those people like and I, we've had those conversations before you're just like i'm going to talk to this person i'm going to change their mind um yep. uh-huh. i think the important thing is like again when we're evangelizing yes we can do all of these things we can show them the life we have but at the end of the day we are not the ones who will ever convince them yeah you know the ball is not in our court to convince them to you know create their conversion um for whatever reason, Christ seems fit that it's not now. Uh, I read this in the past before. I can't remember which saint it was, but, you know, it's talking about patience with those who are non-believers or those who are lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for whatever reason, in God's infinite mercy and infinite wisdom, he knows more than us and knows that for whatever reason, this is not the time. For whatever reason, 
this is not how he desires to, you know, win them when we're having those conversations that seem to be so frustrating. And I think sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves of, yeah, if I don't do this, no one will. Um, which again is like shows like the pride of humanity of seeing, saying that we will be the ones to do so. And that all like all the weight is on our shoulders to do this. Um, when in reality it's not, um, yeah, I think one of the easiest traps to fall into is like, I mean, in later in the song, he says, you know, and how we always, we do this all the time. We say, oh, now is this really how you want to spend your days? Is this really how you want to live your life? And we point all the things that we you know, know to be unfulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think like, oh yeah, that's going to like wake them up. And like, sometimes it does and praise God that it does. Um, but most of the time they're just like, yeah, they might think about it for maybe three seconds and then they're drowned out when there's so much noise in the world that just drowns that, that contemplation or that maybe reflection out of their mind and heart. So like that isn't going to work that much. And as often as we think it might by being like, Oh, they just need to like see that it's not fulfilling them. It's like brothers and sisters, remember these are goods. Most of the things these people are consuming and fulfilling their life with seemingly are good to a degree. They're lesser goods for sure, but they're good. Mm Mm-hmm and they perceive them to be good. They're just disordered and how they on the chain. So like if you're consuming a good, there's really nothing you're going to say. That's going to convince them that it's not good. Yeah. Like hate to break it to everyone, but like sex is good. So (laughs) if they're sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend, what are you going to tell them? That's bad. Like, okay. They're not going to, it's not going to change their mind that much. Yeah. So there needs to be something different. We need to point to something different. And I think at least in my mind, it seems to be like, it has to be about relationship. It has to start. And the beauty of relationship being Mm -hmm. captivated by the beauty of it, less about morals and less about uh, truth. We've Mm -hmm. tried that. It's not working anymore. It used to work, but our culture has drastically shifted. I think beauty of relationship in person needs to take the precedent. I think, it perfectly goes off into, you know, that second, uh, or I don't even know what verse it is, but essentially it's when Zac Efron's character starts to actually consider it. Mm. Um, and he says, you know, well, it's intriguing, but it would cost me greatly. So what percentage of the show would I be taking? Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not necessarily all of the things that he's mixed up with that are convincing him, but what he's interested is, in, you know, as selfish as it sounds is, you know, what do I get out of this? What does this mean for me? Yeah. I think it fits perfectly what you're saying about, you know, we can give them the truth. We can give them uh, morals. We can give them those things. Those are all fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, like how will their life be different because of this? What will they gain from taking this risk? Cause we can say, you know, this is what you're losing right now. This is all the bad stuff happening to you. And we mm-hmm. can perceive in our hearts and in their, our minds, you know, this is all that's going wrong in your life, but you know, we're not them. We don't know those things for sure. They can yeah. be extremely happy. Um, what we have to offer them is this is what you can have. This is the life that you could live. This is the relationship that you could live in, you know, in union with God having, in a world that tells you that you can't have it, you may have experienced this where, you know, I've experienced this and in conversations where, you know, like God is not personal, you know, this distant Mm -hmm. authoritative figure. Like what we can offer them is no, he's not that. And I can offer you a very personal and tangible relationship with him. Not what you've, not what you've heard. You may have heard the rumors. You may have seen the rumors. You may have experienced these things, but I'm, what I'm offering you is something different. And this is what you can have. 
And again, offering what people can have, it's always going to pique the interest. Yeah. Taking, taking something away from them is never going to pique someone's interest. For like, yeah. all right, here are all these great things that you're enjoying, you know, like and here you're do, you're having sex with your significant other, you're doing all these things like in their mind that's perceived as a good, um, although it's a misused good, still is perceived to be good. Yeah. And what I'm, what I'm preaching is you need to give all of that up. All of the pleasures of your life, you need to give up. Yeah. If I'm that person, I'm probably doing the same thing and saying, dude, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right. if you were me, you wouldn't either. Um, and so it makes sense that we can't fight it with, okay, we need to strip you of all of these pleasures and all of these goods. What we have to do is we need to, again, offer them the relationship and through that relationship, trust that God in his infinite wisdom and timing will reveal to them the truth and reveal to them all of those things that we wish to tell them. Yeah. And there has to be a willingness. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just a magical thing where like I say, I offer you this. And then if you say yes, everything will change and it'll be, your life will be great. Right. Mm -hmm. The risk and the demand of the Christian life is present and it, it needs to be actually, because like there is a death to self. Like this is, it's, it's, it's difficult. Like I was just having a conversation with someone just the other day and uh, they asked me, why do you wear black? As I was wearing uh, a clerical suit from a, a diocese event. And he said, why do you wear black? That's so drab. Couldn't you guys get a little more color? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, why not? And I said, uh, this is this great phrase. Um, it says, it's remember your death in Latin. It's memento mori. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's miserable. Oh, that's so, oh, that's horrible. And I was like, why? Like, this, my life's not about this, this earth. It's not about all of this stuff. Um, and I'm, there's a, like, and so like, it, it, there's a demand on my life and a willingness to say, like, I'd gladly give this up for the sake of relationship. And we, and again, we do this all the time with people. Like when we have, you have a girlfriend, you have a boyfriend or you're married, like you give things up for that person. Like that happens and we do it willingly because we love them. And so like, but you have to be willing to fall in love. You have to be willing to pursue the person. And we are more than, again, we're more than willing to do it with them, but like we have to move people towards a disposition of their heart and mind so that they're, they're postured in a way when they come to encounter Christ, maybe for the first time or anew that says, God is going to disclose himself to me. Mm-hmm. He's going to open himself up to me just as a person does. Like, it's not just gonna be this magical thing right away and I have to be attentive to him as I'm attentive to say the person I'm on, I'm on a date with to learn about him. Yeah. And like, again, that's a lot of effort and it's a real demand because you have to, you know, put your phone down. You have to <laughs> not think about you know, all the stuff you have to do next week uh, or getting your kids to soccer practice or, you know, the interview you have coming up or whatever. It's really, it's a death to yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a death to all those things that are, you know, scratching at you. And so it's hard, but I think it's, it opens you up to a beauty and a depth of relationship that you don't get otherwise. Well, I have to agree from experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't really, the rest of the song is kind of just the chorus. So I don't really know if you have anything else to, to add or no, other I think, insights. I, I think the ending there was the most impactful for me of just, you know, what are we offering and, you know, who is the pressure on here? It's not on us. I think the last thing I'll say is just, I'm looking at, I have to print it out here. Um, and it says, uh, one of the very last lines is, you know, suddenly we're free to fly. Mm-hmm. 
I think, again, there's two ways I'm going to look at it. The first is through, like, again, we're a part of that adventure with Christ and mm-hmm. it's a, it's an invitation from him. And, you know, we're able to live this journey with him. But the second way, since we're kind of going towards that, like evangelization type mindset is the way that we do this is through living life with those around us. You know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's like, honestly, as bad as it sounds, I think sometimes we can, uh, we can almost use people around us as almost objects within the evangelization uh, mindset where we're only interested in them so long as they're interested in Christ. And as soon as we, as soon as they deny this, and as soon as they turn that we're no longer interested in them as a human or as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just another mindset for me to kind of preach is we won't be able to convince anyone of these truths without first being in a place of trust and in a place of love with them. Um, the best way to do so is by actually living in life with them as a friend, investing in them, investing in every aspect of their life, not just the parts that we want to be a part, but every aspect and just loving them and embracing them. Because again, that's how they will come to know and understand God's love for them, God's interest in them. And we can be a very poor um, mirror of it, but we can, somehow shed a light of what that relationship is and mirror that love of God to some degree for them. Yeah. And I think going back to what you said earlier about like, if we think we're the ones who are going to do the fixing of this person or like, you know, converting them by our own, it's because of us and our power. Um, I think that's where the frustration comes in. It leads to that kind of abandonment, yeah. you know, cause it's like, mm-hmm. I didn't, I couldn't fix it. So, you know, it's the, the craftsman who throws up his, his hands after, you know, failing it. Yeah. Fixing the car, or the bench or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we need to get out of that. Like I'm the one who's going to fix yeah. this problem. Uh, and I fall into that all the time and I've definitely like just, throwing my hands up with people being like, all right, they don't care. This is, this yeah. is pointless. I have no desire to be with this person. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that, that image you gave, like of, of walking and journeying with them and going through life with them uh, and to varying degrees, right? It depends on the person and depends on the relationship you have with them. You can't always be that intense, yeah. but uh, the ones that uh, really matter in your life are the ones that are closest. Like, yeah, just keep on keeping on with them. It's like, yeah. there's no, there's no greater joy uh, after a long time of just walking with someone. Um, and then those moments kind of come up here and there where like they, they move. And even you, like you learn a lot about yourself and about like your relationship with Christ and it, it grows you as well. It's not just about the other person. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a communion that happens in that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And you, you like, and I have, you and I have experienced this in our own friendship with one another. Um, yeah. So definitely there's something to it. Awesome. Good. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. If you have any uh, questions or anything like that, make sure to reach us at thecatchcc at gmail.com. Before we leave, got two quick words. The first is from our buddies over at Covenant Eyes and their porn fighting software. Make sure to go check them out as we're approaching Lent and approaching those seasons where you may be kind of thinking of how you can get rid and defeat this addiction. Um, if you're looking for a little bit of extra accountability, they have that. So get a free 30-day 
trial on us using the code catch 30 in the link in the uh, podcast description. And then second would be our buddies over at Bishop Sheen rosaries. Make sure to check them out for durable, high quality rosaries that also support a really great cause and get 10% off using the code catch 10 uh, until next time. Au revoir. Thank you.